So good morning and welcome to uh, the latest edition of the uh, Football Digest podcast, our Euro special. Wow, it doesn't get any bigger than this when we're previewing England v Germany at Wembley tomorrow night. Last 16 tie, frankly, is the most eye-catching, surely. I know we would say that, wouldn't we, um, of all the uh, last 16 ties. But, I mean, what a fantastic game this uh, this really is in prospects, really. And the memories and the history, uh, the footballing rivalry that it conjures up. Um, so there'll be so much to focus on there, really. Um, you know, how does this England com- uh, team compare with the teams of old, the Germans as well? Um, and really, what team would you pick? Has Mason Mount really got a chance to start? Wow, it seems incredible to me. But uh, let's see. It does seem as if um, these are interesting times ahead going by what um, Harry Maguire and sort of Gareth Southgate were hinting at yesterday. So interesting, really. And and just how good are Germany? I know people, a lot of people poo-pooing them at the moment, but I, I, I thought they were fabulous against, um, against Portugal. They're certainly not going to be an easy opponent. But then the route is opening up for England and Gareth Southgate, isn't it? Wow, you can suddenly see a repeat of 2018. Or are we getting carried away with ourselves? Well, we've certainly got the right people to ask. Andy Dunn, my colleague, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Mirror. Uh, Jeremy Cross, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Star. And Matt Dunn, Football Aficionado of the Daily Express. Um, Guys, I mean, really, uh, I mean, it's... It is really exciting times, Andy, isn't it? I mean, sort of kind of you know, the game is creeping ever closer. It seems weird, by the way, that it's kicking off at 5pm and it's going to capture the, the whole country's imagination. I think imagine everyone will sort of try and be clocking off early to watch it. But what a game in prospect. Yeah, I hope so. And all the stories around today saying, uh, you know, hopefully people will be able to get off work early. Um, it's good for us, obviously. You know, it gives us more time to digest it after the game. Um, yes, it, it should be a cracker. You, you know, I, I don't. It's a tough one to call. I think that's what makes it such a good game as well. Is that it's really tough one to call. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the bookmakers' odds are, but I would have thought both teams are fairly close. Interestingly, out in Germany, um, they see England as favourites for this game. I'm not sure we see ourselves as favourites, but you know, m- maybe they should be. Um, I think that that's just what ma- what makes it so attractive. Is that we saw Germany. Um, if you can be inconsistent, they were inconsistent over three games in their group stages. You know, they were there was the highs of Portugal and the shakiness of um, the game against Hungary. Whereas England have been consistent, you know, consistently boring but consistent. Um, so I guess you, you know, <laughs> I can't let that go, Andy. In a good way, you know, loads of people can be consistently boring, there's nothing wrong with that. some great politicians have been consistently boring oh my word yes I agree with that but we're playing football not politics I mean you'd rather have them like that and and in a way you know that that is a I think it's what you call a backhanded compliment Um, it certainly is backhanded mate yeah it is backhanded they have been you know they they haven't got us out of our seats have they I mean you know moments maybe you know one run from Saka a little bit of magic from Grealish um, you know a, a sterling finish two sterling finishes, they're the only moments that have got us out of our seats. Mm. But the thing is, is that we've we've gone through three games with, without, not only without conceding a goal, but without conceding that many chances, to be fair. You know, not, not many, you know, um, glaring opportunities for the opposition, one or two. But that's it. I just think that's what makes it such a great game, is, is that we really, it really is 
a tough one to call. And and you know, it'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds, what the teams will be, what formation Southgate will will pick. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Um Jeremy, where do you see the balance of power line? Who who are the who are the favourites? I don't think there is a favourite, to be honest. I think Dunny's right. It's it's very close to, it's a very close game to call. Look, England are at home, that gives them a slight advantage, perhaps. And like he's Dunny said, that the, the defending has been great so far. So um you won't expect it to be a four three thriller or anything like that. I think it'll be what there'll be one goal in it, you know, either way. So I think the midfield battle's obviously gonna be the key, isn't it? You know, mm. they've got Tony Cruz who remains a world class player. Um, he likes to dictate the pace of play. I think you've got to you've got to put someone on him really and not let him settle. And obviously, obviously, you've got to keep an eye on the wide guys, um, Kimmich and Gussens, because they've they've caused havoc actually in the group stages for Germany. So interested to see if Southgate decides to go with a back four again, or whether he might pick a back three and play wing backs himself to try and neutralise that threat from Germany. So it'll look it'll be a fascinating game. It'll be a tactical game. It may be decided by one moment of brilliance, maybe a Kane goal or something from Grealish or Mount if he plays. I'd be very surprised if he picked Mount, won't you? I mean, that'd be yeah. a massive gamble, that. I know he yeah. wasn't the player, but... So there's so many sort of subplots around the game and obviously it's the history. Um, Germany have had the, you know, jinx on us down the years. So um, it all teed up for... I mean, it, it, it's, it feels like a semi-final, really when you think about it, because whoever gets through this game may well go on to reach the final. I know you can't predict anything in football, but, you know, the path for one of these winners looks looks relatively comfortable compared to, you know, what's going on in the other half of the draw. So it's, it's massive stakes. There's huge stakes. Uh, it should be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Matt, Matt the... Um... One thing that really occurs to me is 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 maybe, and this is a danger as well as an incentive, but England can see the path opening up, can't they? I mean, where does that figure? Because I remember 2018, we really got ahead of ourselves in terms of thinking, oh, there's so much, you know, th- this is a path here to, you know, kind of almost a buy to the final. And it sounded like really wrong, you know, sort of at the time to even think about it, but... You know, if England can get past Germany, you would now really fancy them, wouldn't you, to to be able to go all the way to the final, wouldn't you? And is, is that a danger in itself? No, 2018 was our free pass. It was a wide open tournament that we should have got further in um, and we didn't. And that was inexperience, et cetera, et cetera. But we've learned that lesson. We've done that. I don't think there's any harm that the players realising what an opportunity this is. They need to look at those lists of names in the bottom half of the draw still. You know, Denmark, uh, Czech Republic, Ukraine, Sweden, or England and Germany. And if we can get past Germany, we should be thinking, there's the final for us. We we've, we've, we've missed out three years ago, uh, which was a once-in-a-lifetime draw opportunity. Well, suddenly, three years later, we've got another one. They're like buses, it turns out. Twice we, in a lifetime. Twice in a lifetime, exactly. Well, I mean, having had that... That experience and missed out. If we miss out again with the experience that we have got in terms of Champions League football in that team, you know they're still young, but you can't keep. You get a chance. It's like the Olympic. All these Olympians are the same age. You get a go every two years, four years. To you know, uh, you've got to make the most of it. And and the England have been handed a great opportunity to get to a Wembley final. Um, and all they've got to do is beat Germany. <laughs> you know, 
hey, let's not say that's going to be easy, but let's be aware that of what's at stake here if we do beat Germany, and that is a chance to finally end that 56 years of hurt. Come on, Andy, you're shaking your head in disgust. I, 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 I mean, I, I just, you know, why, why would you even think about looking ahead to um, to a quarterfinal and a semifinal? I mean, I just, I don't get it. And, and if you really wanted to, you could turn around and say, well, you know, from what I could see of the Czech Republic, you know, um, in the game against England, you know, they weren't that, they weren't that bad. Um, they, they were obviously very good um, against the Dutch. Um, Denmark were excellent against Wales. You know, you just can't you can't go around thinking, oh, oh, well, this is great. You know, um, we've got a we've got a free hit to the final. Of course, there's no such thing. You know, there is absolutely no such thing. You know, teams have won it against the odds. You know, several occasions. You know, Portugal to a certain extent were probably you know not overly um, overly 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 fancied in um, 2016. Um, go go back to 2004 when when Greece won. You know, the teams can the European Championships are. You know, um, sort of dotted with, with with teams that have won, maybe relatively unfancied teams. And you know, I don't think England are such a a mighty powerhouse of international football that we think we can just cruise through, you know, a, a quarterfinals and semifinals of major tournaments. That's been proved when they were beaten by Croatia in the semifinals of 2018. It's it's just not. You know, I, I mean, think of England's history. You know, you talk about free passes to the final. I mean, this is England you're on about. This is England. You, you, you know, it's it's no, there's no free passes. There are no free passes. You know, Iceland um, reminds us of that in, in a previous tournament. It's just, it's it's, it's the idea, the very idea that you should be sat here thinking, well, beat Germany and we're in the final. It's just like you know, I mean, it's uh, insulting, obviously, to the other teams in it. I mean, grievously insulting to the other teams in it. And that and that, you know, if they if they do these things now nowadays in the modern era, you know, this sort of talk they'd record and play in the dressing room or if it was written they'd pin it up in the dressing room wall and say look this is the English no wonder no wonder the rest of the world looks at us and thinks we're arrogant you know football's coming home right yeah you know we're the natural home of football we are the FA you know win this tomorrow night no problem we'll be in the final at Wembley uh, you know and, and, that is, and that is where it comes from that entitlement and that you know arrogance is, is when other nations look at us that's what they think of us no wonder when we're sat here talking about big Germany and we might as well, you know, um, get the uh, open top bus revved up. And that's not what I was saying, Andy, to be fair. What I'm saying is it's an opportunity. <laughs> to be fair, I think you were, to be honest. Think you you? Were. No, no, I'm saying this is an opportunity to win a lot easier tournament than it would be, say, if you were Belgium, who have just fought off uh, Portugal. Now I've got Italy and uh, presumably France just to get to the final. Um, this is a chance to play um, against... Denmark or a team we've already beaten the Czech Republic and uh, or bef- and before that Sweden who we beat in the last World Cup or Ukraine uh, to get to a major final it is an opportunity that's what I'm saying is that we should do you know I think Germany are looking at this draw suddenly and thinking hang on a second we can win this you don't have to go out and say we're going to win it but you have to believe that that actually this is an opportunity and we can't keep affording the problem over the years is we've missed these opportunities too often and that's why we haven't won anything. And I think we need to start believing that actually when these things fall into our laps like they have done in this tournament, we need to be on our game tomorrow night, and I'm not looking further ahead than tomorrow night, to make sure we beat Germany and give ourselves a really good chance to get to that final by being on our game again on Saturday and then again the following week. So, yeah, I'm not taking anything for granted, but we need to see this, this is a great opportunity. 
Uh, and to, to hide away from that and just say, oh, we've got Germany. So what? No, we want to win a major tournament. We're fed up with not having won one. We are a big footballing nation. Most of the other big footballing nations have won one in the last 50 odd years. All the other, quite a lot of small footballing nations have won one. So we need to see this and say, right, no, this is our time. It was, it could have been our time in 2018. It caught us a bit by surprise, but we know now how to play tournament football. We can win all of these games and get to the final. And then we've got a home game uh, and a chance to finally put this, this whole taboo to rest. Uh, and you can't be, be scared of the route that we've got in because you're taking nothing for granted. No one's scared. No one's scared. You can't be frightened of saying that it's a lot easier than it should be just by the way the competition's fallen. Matt, you're, 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 you're bang on today, aren't you? You're, you're yeah, he's out for it. He's out for it. He's ready. He's going to get his flag at St. George flying from the window. Jeremy, I want to chuck one at you because basically, I just, just go on, go on, cut to blows, go on, virtually hit him, go on. You know, this is our time. How many times have we said this is our time? I think I'm on about the 12th, this is our time, time. Well, the thing is, let's go through the record collection. Let's go through the World Cup songs. We haven't won anything for 50-odd years because we've not been good enough to win anything. That's We've all been at tournaments where we've been hopelessly out of our depth. But this time we'll get it right, Jeremy. This time we'll get it right. Yeah, that's one. This is one of the best teams you've had for quite a while. I'm not saying they're good enough to go and win it, but... I sort of agree with mine in a way. You, you can't ignore the fact that, look, if we beat Germany, I would fully expect us to get to the final. I don't think we'd beat France in a final or Belgium in a final, but, you know, you've got to make the most of your luck, haven't you? If you get a, if you get yeah. a comfortable-looking draw, you've got, to, you've got to fill your boots. Yeah, you have got to fill your boots. But, Jeremy, I think what interests me is, and I go on about this, I see people sort of writing big pieces about Germany, the sort of mystique, it's not what it was, they're not the powerhouse and what they were. And we'll, listen, we'll look at them a little bit more um, individually and in depth in, in a while. But the one thing that really strikes me is, and, and I guess this is why I think that basically, never mind what the Germans think in Germany about their, about their team, sometimes you have to be sort of kind of step away to be a bit more objective. The single best, uh, bang on about this, but the single best team performance I've seen in the Euro so far was the German destruction of Portugal mm. in that game, which was also, by the way, the best game I've seen so far in this tournament. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe not in terms of drama because that, that you know, the final day decider, if you like, of their group uh, maybe picked that. But as a, as a spectacle, as a game of football, the Germans and the way that they took Portugal apart was something else. And I guess that's the reason why we cannot underestimate them tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Look, Germany need no introduction. They may be, you know, not the powerhouse of old when they won World Cups and European Championships, but that's from a different era, you know. This is mm. now, and look, they've had a wretched time under, under Joachim Lowe for the last three years, really, coming into this tournament. You know, they got spanked 6-0 by Spain in the Nations League. They suffered other humiliating defeats. But Germany tend to, you know, try and peak at the right time. I'm not saying they've peaked yet, but they were very impressive against Portugal. You looked at that side and you thought, crikey, there, there is a really ruthless side who dominate. Um, Portugal have been disappointed them. They went out last night. We might touch on that later, but still a great side, Portugal. There's no doubt in that. And the Germany just destroyed them. They were really clinical. So... You know, if you were Gareth Southgate and you were watching a video of that game, you'd be thinking, we've got, we've really got our hands full here. They've got some world-class players. We've mentioned some already. Proven mm -hmm. winners, you know. 
Tony Cruz is still a great player, still a great, great player. Um, Gundogan's a good player. They've got great players out wide. I know Muller's probably a bit a bit long in the tooth now, isn't he? But he still knows how to find the back of the net. And um, my one, I think the one weakness is at the back, Germany, actually. I thought they've looked vulnerable at the back. They've not got a lot of pace in that back three. Hummels mm. is a warrior for them, but... Um, my God, he looks slow, by the way, didn't he? He looks, wow. he looks leggy now, didn't he? So, yeah. you know, that might be something Southgate's looking to exploit tomorrow. Um, but look, it, you just cannot... I know we've, we, we've not really talked about Germany a lot on these shows prior to the tournament and during the tournament, but you just can't, you just can't ignore them, can you? It'll be, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a real tough game for England tomorrow. They'll have to be at the best to win. Yeah. Andy, do England need to switch... Systems. I mean, there is talk about a back three. I think they have been looking at a back three. They've been working on a back three. I mean, it did, it did seem strange to me. What, what are the what are the pluses and minuses of switching system? Do you think? Well, I mean, you can. You know, I mean, I mean, bear in mind. I mean, a concert the lads, we we we're okay because we can rest a few in the quarters and the semis ahead of the final. So we can go <laughs> full on full belt at it, can't he? Um, no, see, see, I'd say I'll be. I don't know. I, I personally, I can see. So the advantages if we play to back three. One thing that's been noticeable in the first three games is clearly while England have been very, 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 um, very tight, very disciplined, very compact. You know, the fullbacks. There's been no danger at all coming from the fullbacks. You know, he, he's tried three. Well, he's used three fullback combinations, and you know, while it's been successful in, the, in to the extent that they've got three clean sheets, and I guess that mm. must be the priority. There's been no, there's been no threat at all, really, from down the flanks, you know, and that's probably had an impact as well on, on, on the rest of the team in the sense that maybe on Harry Kane's game. So maybe if you have those two wing backs in, you will get more threat down the flanks. You'll also negate Germany's threat. You know, you're going like for like. Um, you get those full backs involved. You've got essentially then five in midfield um, when England are on attack in transition, as they like to say nowadays. Uh, um, and, you know, there's no need, in theory, for Kane to be maybe dropping deeper um, into that midfield, so it gets Kane in areas where you would like to see him. So I understand the I understand the tactical reasons why he might do that. Um, I think that to do it, though, having played a four at the back and kept three clean sheets would just, to me, seem a big gamble, really, you know, a big gamble. You know, there's... There's a lot of talk about England, you know, and, and how Southgate should go on the front foot. I, I, I've said it myself um, previously. I'm sure, you know, most people have said it that, you know, we keep going on about this array of attacking talent. You know, it's been it's been the mantra for a year or two now about what great attacking players England have. And essentially, in all the games, he, he's gone out with six defensive outfield players and four attacking players, really, you know, two holders mm. in, Bryson Phillips, and then the four uh, defenders. So, you know, it does seem negative, and, and, you know, loads of people calling for him. You know, even if, if you just go out with your mates and they say, you know, I'll, let's hope he goes on the front foot against Germany. Let's hope he goes for it, you know. Get get Foden back in, you know, keep Grealish in, you know. Uh, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, another 1-0 would do them fine, wouldn't it? You know the same the same type of performance that they've put up already three times at Wembley would probably oh, well, apart from the Scotland game obviously would probably be, suit him. So it's a real mm. dilemma. I personally would stick with four. I mean, right. I, I can see why he would go to three at the back, five at the back. Obviously, when you're defending, I I personally would go with four. 
Yeah. Matt, what, Matt, what would you go with? I couldn't call it which way he's going to go, though. No, no, I think I think it's I, I, I yeah I think he's looked at I think he's looked at both. I must say I, I you know I can see a reasoning with, with behind a three beyond countering the, counteracting the German wing backs, which have been such yes. a threat. Which I think yeah, is both I mean, you know yeah I mean which I mean, is, I think, is, is getting forward themselves. The lack of width I think has been has been stark. It's, it's frankly, been big, and especially when you've got players such as you know I mean obviously Luke Shaw would be the one. I mean, what would he do then? Would he? I, I assume he'd play Luke Shaw. Uh, who would the, one of the wing backs would clearly be Reese James? Well, then, no, I was thinking it would be Trippier. Trippier and James. I, I would think that Tri- I would listen. If I were a betting man, I'd say Trippier right wing back, Walker really? right side of centre half, Stones yes. and Maguire, which is hard on Mings. And, but I think that that is. And then what do you do left wing back? I could see that, that there'd be a shout for Saka. Who's a bit more, you know, yeah. attack-minded in terms of? Yeah. But I think that Shaw was so good in the last game, so so good, you know. Which obviously we'll come on to Shaw v Mourinho, ding dong, in, in in a bit. But it's, it does interest me. The other the other aspect is that basically, you know, d- does he start with Mac Mason Mount? We know that how much he loves Mason Mount, and if you'd asked yeah. me, right, say four days ago, I would have said, "Do me a favour, don't be ridiculous." But you can feel it. You can feel the momentum building. People are talking about it. And it's just like, it's, it's out of the question, is it? Isn't it? It surely is. He can't. Mm, I'm beginning to think he can. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, well, it's a strange one. You know. What do we think, guys? Do you think he'll, he'll, he'll start Mount? The issue right there is, does he, if he doesn't start Mount, will, will he probably pick Grealish? Hmm. And we all we all know he has this sort of trust issue with Grealish. Would he trust Grealish to enough to start against the Germans? Who knows? But I thought Grealish was pretty good um, against the Czechs in the first half. I thought he played really well. Um, faded a bit in the second half. Well, the second half just meandered through to nothingness, didn't it? Really. But um, look, what he's got to decide is, and he said this yesterday, didn't he, to ITV? What mental state is Mason Mount in after yeah. 10 days locked, holed up on his own, you know, watching stuff on Zoom, training in isolation? You know, if he feels that Mount is connected to the to the team enough and he's, he's up to speed with what they've been working on in training, I think he'll pick him. But yeah. he'll be a massive ball because if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill him in it's half game. I mean, but he has got, you know, he, he has, he does have, you know, as he, as he showed in the first game when he picked, you know, Trippier left back, he's got the, the courage of his convictions. And you know, the more you think about it, I understand what you're saying about the mental state of Mason Mount. At least he didn't make it out for the Ed Sheeran concert, did he? So he should be in, in, in decent nick after that. Although apparently he, he, he gave a, 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 a game of yeah, oh, look, yeah, hopefully with no, the windows. Deliberately, no deliberately did it underneath their windows, so there's yeah, no escaping it. And the telly on full blast, I would have thought. Um, but <laughs> are we taking it that you're not an Ed Sheeran fan, Andy? <laughs> yeah, mate. I quite like Castle on the Hill, to be fair. Oh, yeah, I yeah. oh but I, 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 it's funny. The more you talk about Mount, I mean, if if that's the only if the only concern is is how he's going to be after you know um, ten days of isolation, then. You know, I, I think that's that's only a very small concern. The guy, you know, clearly will be jumping at the bit. You know, he's fit, um, he's well rested, obviously. Um, and the more you talk about it, see, I, I personally would would not play Mount, but I think if you said 
listen, you know, will if it was a choice between, say, you have to pick one from three of um, Grealish, Saka, and Mount, mm. then you know, nineteen times out of twenty, he's picking Mason Mount, isn't he? I mean, we know yeah. that from history. We know oh, we know 100%. how much faith he has in him. So, I've got when to be honest, I'd say twenty out of twenty. Yes. So when it comes down to obviously this is a, yeah, but he's never been in this yeah. unique situation. Yeah, where no, no, no. I get the point. Player, it's just like he's just unbelievable. He's the team. Mm. But you know, he, 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 Mount would know what's expected of him. I, th- mm. I think it's, it, it's interesting. I think he probably will play Mount. I mean, I, I don't know. I just as you say, John. I think the more time goes on, and you, and you talk about and you talk to people, you're thinking, well, actually, you know what? His faith in Mount is so so mm. solid that. The he'll 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 think that the positives outweigh the negative of him not being able to train with the team. The interesting thing is is who then is out, you know, Grealish or Saka, or both. Because obviously, what he could do, and what I suspect he might do, is bring Mount and Foden back. Yeah, yeah, I think Foden plays hundred percent, hundred percent. In which case, then we're probably talking Grealish and Saka, the two probably best players in the game against the Czechs, not starting the game. Yeah, yeah, I, and, you know, yeah, I mean, I, and that is a yeah. big call, as you say, guys. That that is a big call if, if he does that. But that, to me, if I had to bet now, right at this moment, on, on what team he'd have, I would suggest that you know, back four, two holders, whoever they may be, two from three, um, Henderson, Phillips, or Henderson, Rice, or Rice and Phillips, and then and then the three of um, Sterling, Foden, and Mount and Harry Kane. That yeah, that yeah. I mean, Matt, that. Matt. If I had to yeah. take a punt on it now, that's where I, that's where I'd take. It wouldn't be yeah, my no, team. Yeah, no, no, I can see that. Yeah, I, 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 I think, I think you, when you mentioned his concerns about Grealish, I think they they are they are real. They are real concerns that, that he has. Like, like you know, I, I think that I mean, this will su- be such a a high energy occasion, such a you know full on occasion. The the mounts what Mount brings to that rather than Grealish. You know, listen, Grealish, he he, he doesn't. There's no getting away from it, and and well, he's, he's you know he's loath to track back. He does it, but you know it's against his will, and he's not a natural presser, is he? You know, pressing is yeah. is boring, really, and 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 that's um, whereas Mount, you know, will be, will be, I mean, he buzzes around. You know, I remember um, Declan Rice was saying how how his dad used to say, you know, Mount's like you know like a bee in a jar, and and he is, you know, mm. Jack's a bit more laid back, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think Matt Mount is so rare that you get with uh, with a player of Mount's quality in the with the industry as well, allied to the to the yes, to the flair and the talent. It's a super combination. It is a super combination. Is, Matt, Matt, what what are the what are the talking points? Do you think Matt tactically? What are the big selection dilemmas? What what would you do? Well, I think we've got we've got the debate back three, back four. If mm. we go back four, which I think we could, apparently we've got this thing called the England way which Marcus Rashford brought up this week. No one quite knows what it is, but we're apparently going to win win things the England way. Um, I but, thought you uh, know that, Matt. Well, Marcus told us, but, you know, it's, it's winning, winning when he's open goal of a draw, a fair in front of us. That's the new England way. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, if we're going to do that, if we we either match Germany up and go 3-5-2 and sort of admit that we're playing to their, their game, or we, we are bold, we go... Um, with four, yeah, flat back four. Um, and the, the key to that is if you're going to play inside Germany, you've got to have the players in the pitch who can play the passes into the gaps 
uh, and find the players further up the field. As Maguire did once, I think, uh, mm. and and we haven't done enough. Um, that means that ideally you'd have someone like a Jack Grealish in the team. But as like you say, I don't know if he'll allow us to be overrunning midfield by having. I, th- I think we need the legs in midfield of him out. Uh, more and more, I'm coming across to the fact that he might play him. Um, although I'd written it off a few days ago, and, and even yesterday, even with the quotes, it didn't quite ring true. But the more you think about it, the more perhaps we need him uh, just to fill in that gap. And also because Mount's other attribute that we haven't touched upon is his passing. Some of the passes he finds around the penalty mm. area are very astute in a way that, um, to quote an old friend of, of, of England's who's with us no more, Delhi Alley, he, he never seems to find those passes. And, and that was always his, his weakness. He wasn't actually that, he's not actually that great a passer of the ball. He can do the unexpected. Whereas Mount does find those passes a lot better. Uh, and can bring in players like Foden, who also makes unexpected runs and can find a pass inside the penalty area. So I think we need a lot of those sort of tricky players that will find the angles to to unlock a German defence with the pace that we've got. You know, there's scope to play the right pass, run onto it uh, and get beyond them. And and, uh, I think that's what's key, is to have enough... Um, imagination in the middle of the park to uh, to unlock Germany if we're going to stay as a back four. Uh, and mm. I think that's what we should do because uh, we have got the players. We've just got to back them and say, go out and do it. Crossy, mm. what do you pick, Mount? No. What do you pick, Saka? <sighs> oh, um, You've got to pick Saka after that performance, surely. Yeah. I, I might, might, yeah. I get caught in between two stalls here about basically what I would do and then basically what I also think that Gareth will do. Yeah. And then basically it's difficult to, to differentiate and it's easy, it should be easy, but it's difficult sometimes in, in your head to differentiate between the two, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But the, I love Mason Mount. I do think Mason Mount gets, you know, I mean, he's super, he's super in terms of his work rate and his quality. And if he'd been training, you know, he's an absolute shoo-in for me, an absolute must-pick. But the notion that he could have been away for 10 days, not worked on shape, not worked with the team, go straight back in, I actually think he's a little bit bordering on the insulting to the other lads. I do. You know, they think they must be, you know, if you're one of the other fringe players, you go, oh, right, thanks for that. Why have I trained? You know, it's just, so it's a, ba- it's a real balance. But I think there is a, you know, there's a feeling that he, he, might, he might well do it. Do, do I think that's right? I'm not. You know, it's a difficult... I wouldn't go three. I don't like three. I can see the value of it in trying to match up, but I think that that would be wrong. I think they've been very good defensively. If you don't do three, then I also think it perhaps gives you the scope to bring in a, you know, a, a Saka or, 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 you know, stick with a Grealish or whatever. And I think it's a really, really difficult call. But, you know, I personally think that there's big calls all over, but he has to. He absolutely has to get the balance of that team right because we're fooling ourselves if we think that Germany are, you know, going to be easy or kind of not as not as daunting as they were. Of course they will. You have to, you know. I don't. I personally, I don't think. You know, I think some of the players like like a Hummels or a Cruz are not the forces that they were, and that and that's the point. They're still big names, but they're not. But they've still got really good options in attack and. You know, listen. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of, we'll kind of come on to them again. But I must say, I, moving on slightly, let's let's have a little look at Luke Shaw and what Luke Shaw said yesterday. 
because I thought that that was fascinating, you know, and I thought that encapsulated the kind of, you know, I'll, what I really like about this England setup, and you know, England press team are fantastic, aren't they? I mean, you know, I think they've been super, really, and um, in access and sort of kind of, you know, getting to people and like the old gripe or whatever. But blimey, you know, when you get a player you know, owning the moment, saying his truth and saying exactly what he feels. I mean, it wouldn't have happened in previous regimes. No chance. But I thought, I thought it was great that Luke Shaw said exactly what he felt about Jose Mourinho. Didn't need much encouragement, did he, to be honest? And clearly savoured every word. I mean, what, Jeremy, I mean, we were there at St George's, weren't we? I mean, just talk us through, you know, it was, it was a, it was, yeah, he unloaded, didn't he? You felt he had yeah, a lot to much. say. It felt like an outpouring of rage that had been building up for years, actually, because, mm. you know, during the time he played under Mourinho, obviously he wouldn't obviously slag him off when he was his manager and he's had chances since then to, to um, you know, have his say on Mourinho and he hasn't, for whatever reason, I don't know. But I think it's a sign that Luke Shaw is sort of, he's full of confidence, he's back on the international stage, you know, he was in the wilderness for so long, wasn't he? You know, I remember he went to the World Cup in 2014 as, you know, the bright young thing of English football, joined United. I think Matt came up with a stat yesterday was the seventh anniversary of him joining United. Mm. And 30 million deal, which made him the most expensive teenager in world football. I think, back to Matt, is still okay? Is that still right? Is he still the most okay. And, you know, it all went wrong for him at United, not just because of Mourinho. I mean, Van Gaal, before Mourinho, he sent him home from a, a Total America, pre-season tour, and said he was fat, overweight, put him on a personal training regime. He struggled to settle. But then, obviously, you know, he's found his feet again. He's, he's got fit. He's been consistent this season. Had his best season by far for United. He's back in the England team, let alone the squad. And... You know, Southgate has encouraged these players to be open and honest with us. It started in Russia. We really appreciated it. You know, for those of us who have covered England a long time will see a real sort of shift in how the players speak to the media. And this was another example of, of, of someone being candid and honest. And, you know, um, look, Mourinho, Mourinho clearly has a thing for Luke Shaw. Um, he, he slags him off whenever he can. Was his criticism fair on uh, the other day in his column? Probably not, but he's paid a lot of money during the tournament, to be honest, and say what he thinks, and that's what he's done. Mm. And if a player takes offence to that and bites back, then all well and good, you know, it's a healthy debate to have. So, you know, I, I wasn't open-mouthed with what he said, but, you know, fair play to him for taking taking the fight back to Mourinho. And he sort of turned it on Mourinho a bit, really, didn't he, by saying that basically he's living in Mourinho's head. Mourinho's obsessed with him. And he's probably right, you know. I just think for, for Mourinho to single out Shaw for criticism in the last game is a bit a bit strange, really. So it was all good stuff, and he's on the he's all he's across the back pages. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was good. I mean, I must say, Andy, I don't know whether you what you thought. I thought Mourinho's criticism was petty because basically, I thought Shaw was terrific, one of England's best players, one of their best three players, for example. What? Yeah. Uh, after the uh, after the check game, yes, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- I thought he, he he played he played he played well, he played okay he, in possession. You know, I thought he took a couple of set pieces that were pretty dreadful. I mean, to be perfectly honest, um, but yeah, listen, I, I, I just agree with Jeremy. You, you know, it, it, Marina was a pundit now, 
well, he's a manager of Roma, but he but he but he's sticking with his punditry during mm. the Euros, and and if that's what he thinks, that's what he thinks. You know, I mean, I I think the idea. I, I love the fact that Luke Shaw, you know, just talks openly about it. I thought he spoke very well. I wasn't there yesterday, but obviously I, I read the um, the quotes last night, and you know, he, I think they're all perfectly valid. Um, I mean, I suspect that, that that Marino isn't that Luke Shaw isn't really living in Marino's head. I'm sure he's got plenty more going on than than that. Um, but um, yeah, I just I, listen. I agree. I mean, the, the, Jeremy just said that it's, it's good to hear someone speaking freely. Um, I don't think that Luke Shaw was beyond criticism. I don't think his performance, you know, made him should have made him immune to analysis. You know, um, was it a bit over the top for Marino? Probably, probably. But you know, again, I've, I've got no objection with that. I've got no objection to that. You know, when we when we hear Roy Keane. Um, um, laying into players, you know, and I, I heard Roy Keane last night briefly call one player, Yao Felix, you know, an imposter, you know, and everyone thinks that all oh, this is, you know, great. It's funny. Roy Keane's great. You, you know, so I, I don't think we should, you know, take it too seriously. Um, and I, I think he's entitled to to do his job what it, and his job is as a pundit, Marino. But I do like the way that Luke Shaw's, you know, basically very eloquently, yeah. So um, I had to I had to go back, and that's 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 the way it is. I don't think it's you know um, I don't think I don't think I wouldn't absolutely castigate Marino for what he said, but I would praise Luke Shaw for what what he said back. Yeah, I, I thought I, yeah I thought Mourinho was was OTT on that. I think generally yeah. he's been incredibly entertaining. I mean, he absolutely slaughtered Eden Hazard, didn't he? Absolutely slaughtered him. Um, you know about his sort of attitude and his training and his his professionalism. Wow, <laughs> it was it was an astonishing astonishing rant, really. But I do think I do think Roy Keane is just yeah, yeah it's just shock jock, isn't it? I mean, it's just you know he's almost become see, a parody of himself, really. How many times shame. have we asked players to react to some criticism mm. from yeah. manager, and they've just shut up shop and said, "Look, I don't want to get into it. Let's move on." Mm. So fair play to Luke Shaw for not only. Yeah. Been willing to respond, but respond mm. sort of in a calm and measured manner. And actually, there was a quote from one that we said no one ever realised how bad it actually was for yeah. two or three years ago. You actually, it made you realise. I'll remember. It's a, quite a while ago now, isn't it? It's sort of three yeah. or four years ago. Really, it must have been pretty grim for Luke Shaw playing under a manager who clearly didn't rate him. You know, and uh, so you know, it, it's a feud that goes back quite a while, and I think. The spark obviously lit the fire, didn't it, with what Mourinho said. So it's good to hear somebody, you know, Mourinho's a massive name in the game, isn't he? He's one of the greatest mm. managers of all time. Yeah. It's people feel intimidated by him. So it's quite good to see a player actually have a go back. Yeah. No, but I it's a good sign as well as how much Mourinho stock has fallen, that a player would have a go back. Because a few years ago, you'd think if you're a top player, he could be my manager one day. Whereas now that that sort of scare factor doesn't seem to be there. You know, he's been farmed out to Roma now. You know, he, he's he's been dumped out of Spurs. I just think Mourinho's aura has, has become apart so much that players are prepared to have a go back now. Uh, and the bullying that, that got him his success perhaps does doesn't hold the the sort of cachet that it used to have. Uh, and Luke Shaw feels, yeah, actually now is my time to come back. I'm here with England. You know, playing a big game. He's just on the telly earning his money, you know, mocking us all. So, so perhaps the, the, the roles have reversed and, and I'm in a stronger position. Uh, mm. I, yeah, I mean, you know, Mourinho is increasingly in danger of becoming a Roy Keane all the time he comes out with the... I mean, dramatically bad was was what made it personal. It was way over the top. And, and 
and he feels like he has to say something, I think, you know, controversial to, to try and justify mm. his position as a pundit. Whereas actually his reasoned uh, interpretations of games would actually be a lot more interesting and, uh, and informative than perhaps going for the soundbite. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Just before we have another look at Germany, guys, I mean, one one aspect that is sort of kind of a bit of a constant theme at the moment is the transfer talk around some members of the squad. We all know about Harry Kane, you know, Jack Grealish. I don't think it's, you know, I think it was being punted around that he was on the brink of joining uh, City last week, which it seems a bit wider than wider the mark. Well, it hasn't happened yet, so it was wider the mark. So, um, you know, there's clearly interest there. You know, Sancho, I guess, to a lesser degree, we know that's sort of kind of going to happen. Um, but he's obviously not starting at the moment, not really massively in contention to start either. And Ben White, of course, as well. Just, I mean, as this, this tournament goes on, if England do get through, I imagine it's probably going to get a little bit more intense on that. Is that a factor now? I mean, we've spoken so much about it with Harry Kane, but, you know, d- d- does that kind of unsettle the squad, do you think? The squad generally, I guess. I don't see how it does, because every summer, every summer that passes in our lives, mm. this is this is what happens. Players mm. move clubs. Mm. I mean, it's slightly different this summer because of, we've just come through a pandemic and obviously a lot of clubs are wary of spending a lot of money. But, you know, the Man United and the Man City of this world, they'll just plough on regardless. They will keep spending whatever it takes to get to get that player into their club. So I think players are used to it, you know. I mean, I think you've got to give them some credit for being professional enough to remain focused on the job in hand, which is helping England go deep in this tournament. Mm. And even when the tournament's finished, there's still several weeks for, for them to sort out their moves. So I'd be staggered if they're you know, reading the papers or listening to the TV and thinking, oh, you know, what's going to happen with my, am I going to get my move to Man City or not? But, but I mean, actually, the, when the tournament's finished, we're going to see some, I think we're going to see some massive, massive deals done. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Do you, do you think that Grealish has, has got, a, has got a, you know, has got a decent chance? Villa are not, are not letting him go easily, are they? No chance. Well, look, look, look Villa, can, Villa can do whatever they want or say whatever they want. If Jack Grealish wants to go to Man City, let's be honest, why wouldn't you want to do that if you're a player of this quality? Mm. You're going to be, you want to play in the Champions League, you want, him to, you want to win titles. No, he's not going to win anything at Aston Villa. He's given great service so far. You know, it's, it's difficult for him because it's their boiled club. But, you know, listen, you've got to be ruthless. It's like Kane with Tottenham, in it? You know, he grew up supporting mm. Tottenham, but he knows if he stays there, he's not going to win anything in his career, which would be such mm. a shame for both of them because they're such great talents. It all boils down to whether or not City are willing to pay what Villa want. We've seen 90, 100 million bandied about. But what was interesting, I thought, at the end of the season was that Khaldun Al-Mubarak, the chairman of Man City, did his end-of-season sort of big interview with the in-house media guys at the club. There was one telling quote in there where he said, we we're going to be aggressive in this summer's transfer market. We want to, you know, want to move on. We want to create a dynasty. So I think that was telling, you know, they've got untold wealth. You know, if they think Grealish can 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 have three or four, five good years at City and help them keep winning, they'll pay hundred million quid. Yeah, it, no, it, it, it's it's an interesting shell the Grealish one, isn't it? I mean, I mean, just just quickly going back to whether the transfer mm. talk disrupts a squad, then 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 no, and 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 also, you know, what, why would any squad be any different? You know, I'm sure there's the same transfer talk. Regarding several German players, regarding several you know Belgian players, uh, players of any nationality, we know the transfer market is a is a cosmopolitan market, which which involves all players, 
you know, it, it's as simple as that. So I don't think it should be any particularly different for English players. Whether it affects them individually in terms of, you know, whether it's affected the drawn-out saga of Sancho to Manchester United, whether or not that's had an effect on Jaden Sancho's mentality during this tournament, I don't know. It might be one of the reasons why we haven't seen much of him. Whether or not, you know, Harry Kane can compartmentalise the... Uh, uncertainty, one well, of the uncertainty, but you, you know the, the, the all the speculation about his future away from um, the job in hand as England captain. I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain he can, but but you never, you, you never know. Going back to Grealish and Man City, it's interesting. You know, when we we spoke to Grealish um, on Zoom, I can't remember whether it was after the game or at some stage recently, and it was interesting when it, when he he actually pointed out himself, you know, that he hadn't even played. Europa League football, never mind Champions League football. And, you know, bear in mind, you know, he's not, he's not maybe because he's only recently come onto the England scene, maybe the perception is he's younger than than, than he actually is. Obviously, I think he's 26 on, on his next birthday. So that does become an issue for him. And it was interesting. It was just like a throwaway line that he said to us, you know, that, that really when you then look into it in the context of a possible move, he said, you know, as for playing... As, as for playing European football with a club, we'll have to wait and see. And it almost like, you know, and then the stories about City came out and you thought, you know, actually you put the, these two and two together. He wants to, clearly he will, he will want to do that. Now, when you say about Villa and, um, oh, well, well, Villa aren't going to win anything, you, you know, um, I sort of know where you're coming from, but they are ambitious and they're financially ambitious. You know, they, mm. they, they spent big last summer, they spent big the previous summer. There's every sign, you know, there's going to do similar this summer as well, um, with or without selling Jack Grealish. So, you know, th- there is a, an argument that says, well, actually, you know, he could stay for another season and, you know, see if Villa can become one of these teams that that maybe um, tries to break up the 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 elite um, sort of structure at the top of the Premier League. But that's a big gamble. Now, then City, I look at City and I think the stuff that we spoke about Grealish before or that I did about the reasons why Southgate might not play him tomorrow, might not start him. I sometimes look at those and think, are they the reasons why he might not actually be, does he strike you as a pep player? If mm. we're saying that, or that Grealish might not start because he doesn't bring the work off the ball, he's not effective off the ball, as he is on it, you know, and that seems to be the basis of Southgate's reservations, isn't it? And he's, he, he's spoken about that op- openly. Mm. So, if they, you know, would that be a Guardiola player? I mean, we know how, how Guardiola wants his players to be, you know, and, and that is constantly pressing, constantly hiring the work. It's been well documented. Their work without the ball is just as important as their work with the ball. And does Grealish fit that bill? And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure he does. Um, I, I understand why he'd want him. He's a fantastic, fantastic talent. But you know, and I think I, I think that's what makes it a really fascinating sort of dynamic, the city in Greenwich. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it is. I must say, you sound almost like Matt Dunn there. You know, Grealish, does he work hard enough? Does he track back? Blimey. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. No, no, no it's, in, it's, 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 it's interesting. Guardiola, you know, he's, yeah. Yeah, you see, I, I do think the only thing is, and someone made a good point the other day, I forget who it was, that basically it's just in terms of City, City do keep the ball and sort of press so hard. Mm-hmm. When I say press, I don't mean actually sort of press and sort of trying to win back the ball. I mean actually kind of, you know, contain teams. They pin them back and they maintain possession. It's finding those little acute angles. 
And sometimes it's not about the speed. It's not about the kind of um, breaking. It's not about that. It's about keeping the ball, finding that clever pass, finding that sort of angle, you know, when they're constantly playing it from this side to that as they pin back the opposition. And that's where maybe Grealish would seem such a good fit. But it'd be very interesting to see. Let's let's move on to Germany, though, guys. And, and just particularly, you know, who's going to be... Who is going to be the biggest danger, really? I mean, I think it's fair to say that kind of, you know, this team doesn't really compare to the great German teams of the past, but I still think they're a very, very dangerous team. Um, you know, who, who are the main threats, do we think, um, out of this German team? Who's the new generation? Well, for me, uh, I think, you know, when you looked at the team that played against Hungary and they didn't play very well at all, but, you know, there was a lot of danger on that pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know all about, for example, Leroy Sané, you know, and Premier League defenders know all about Leroy Sané and what he, he could do to them, what he did do to them when he was in his prime when he was when he was in his best form at Manchester City, that but that best form certainly wasn't there the other day when I watched him. And but I think the player that, that you know that you really I think that really could be a danger is Kai Havertz. I really mm. do. I, I think he developed as a as a, as a player in the second half of last season for Chelsea. I think he developed into a really he's a really eye catching talent. You know, mm. capped it off with that goal in the Champions League final. Just seemed to grow into the season. You know, I, I honestly think that that Ad Havertz been, you know, had he hit the ground running when he came to England, you know, Frank Lampard could have still been in the job. You know, I think I think he could have had that much much of an impact. Well, and I think he's he, he's I think he's a class act. I really do. And I think mm-hmm. he's someone that you know um, that really really could change a game for for Germany. You know, listen, we, we, we know uh, the rest. We know. We, what Kimmich brings to the table, we, we certainly know all about Tony Cruz. Declan Rice was talking about him the other day about you know um, how influential he was. Um, but I just think that the Havertz is someone that that you know that you overlook or underestimate at your peril. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Inter- guys, who, who else do you fear? Timo Werner is he going to have something to say? Is he going to have something to prove? You having a laugh? <laughs> no. I, I think I think his his own unique form of chaos sometimes is underestimated. I mean, in the Champions oh, League know, final, what a me- what an absolute menace he was! What yeah, an absolute work, menace! His work rate is absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? Astonishing. If he could yeah. just learn the offside rule, he'd be a proper player. He yeah, was. He was, yeah. born, he was born offside, wasn't he? But, um, yeah. but I don't think he'll start, will he? Well, no, it didn't seem that way. I mean, yeah, Germany have got options. I tell you who made it. I mean, Leroy Sane is interesting at the moment. He's become an absolute, I mean, focal point of the German media. Just how, you know, how how off it he is at the moment. It's a Um, a huge, huge talking point. It really is. So... um, Amongst amongst them, because he's just not not at the level that that we know. You know that we saw we know, yes. at, at Man City, so it's, it's it's, you know that, that's the fascinating one. Nice stuff. Show, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he really a good is. Player too. You need to mention Goretzka. He gives them a lot of driving. Yes. In the field. Yeah. yeah. The Messiah. Goal. I mean, Messiah came on and played yeah. so well, didn't he? Made yeah. such yeah. a difference in the in the Hungary game. They've got two great wingers in um, Kimmich and Gussens. So we're talking like you know. When you think about it now, you, we've probably gone through the old team, Germany team, and actually got some top top <laughs> players. But the thing about Germany that we don't ever seem to achieve is they're always bigger than the sum of their parts. There's something about the German, the manschaft, that they get it together and they play as a team 
Uh, and I, mean, I remember watching way back in 2006 when they weren't fancy. It was a similar kind of German team then that mm. wasn't really fancy to do much. Uh, and uh, I remember on back-to-back days, I, wa- I covered um, Germany beat Sweden 2-0 uh, and looked fresh, ran, worked for each other, everything that you wanted our golden generation to do. Unfortunately, <laughs> the next day, it was England-Ecuador and we kind of just stumbled through again in a dream. Uh, expecting things to happen and had none of that collective spirit that Germany seemed to bring to every tournament, whether they're any good or not, which is why they overachieve. And historically, I think we've underachieved. If we could, I mean, if we lose uh, tomorrow night, it's because I think we haven't fought with the Germans with our heart uh, and our energy as, as hard as they do. And that would be a shame. Because yeah. there's no reason for that. They have great yeah. mental strength as well, don't they? The That's what I mean. They believe in themselves. Yeah. They run for oh, each yeah. other. They work hard for each other. And oh, there's no the reason why we shouldn't do that as well. And if we do, then I think we've got a really good chance because I think man for man, for the first time for a while, we're, we're possibly just a little bit better than they are. The one good thing we've got in our favour, Crossy, is as well, we've talked about it a lot in the build-up, that there's no, there's no German baggage in our heads, is there, in terms of the players... No, no, they're younger, not, aren't they? It's a good point. Ours, but there's none in the players. No, no, no because no of the youth, player. isn't it? Yeah. The only uh, the only person who's got the baggage is Southgate, obviously. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He, he needs to maybe move on about that. We need, need to get into his ribs about that later. Guys, I'm going to go round the room. Who, who's who's going to win? Your score prediction, please. Not just, not just the result, but also the score. England and, 1-0. England 1-0. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's imaginative, Jeremy. Thanks for that. <laughs> Andy? Uh, England 2-1. Wow. Wow. Conceding a goal, but getting, yeah. yeah. Getting and two. then we'll get knocked wow. out by Sweden or Ukraine. <laughs> that's a joke, Matt. by the way. That is a joke. <laughs> Matt? Um, yeah, no, I'm going with Jeremy. I can't see it being more than 1-0. You know, it's, wow. I'm not expecting it suddenly to be a goal fest. Yeah. Well, Crossy, you what's go. your prediction? Oh well, I you know I I I have a terrible feeling for Germany. I do. Oh, I would love to. I'd love to be proved wrong. I think no, we've underestimated. I'm glad you've done that because if if, if any of our German friends were, were listening in and, and us four Englishmen all you know said oh England they're going to win again, that's the type of thing that they look at and they go, but anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's. Hey, look! Yeah. If England play well, if England play well. And play to their capabilities. They they're, they're more than capable of winning this game. Yeah, yeah, I think I think some of the some of the England preparation hasn't helped. I know everyone's had that, but Mason Mount is a huge player, and then basically for England, and he really is. And yeah, it's not ideal. Well, and... he is, but we've got other options too. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's not like yeah. is it Gazza, is it? You've got to play him. No. It's, you know, he's he's a good <laughs> player. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's he's not like. Out of this world, good in terms of we ha- he has to be in the team if he's been stuck in his hotel room for ten days. We've got yeah. still got to pick him, sort of scenario, is I, it? I, yeah, no. And, and the reason why I think that England will will, will edge it is that I, I just think they've got <clears throat> a bit more quality in depth this mm. time around. Just a, a little bit more. They've got more options. I think from the bench. When I looked at Germany's bench the other day when they were playing us, you know, I think Werner was on the bench and. Goretzka was on the bench. But then after that, you were thinking, you know, there's not the sort of, you know, when I see the substitutes that, that, that Southgate can bring on, that, that he has brought on, the likes of Rashford, you know, the, the likes of Sancho, then I think we've just got a little bit more danger from the bench. It'll be tight, so, uh, and I mm. think that might just might just nick it for England in the end. 
Yeah, no, it is an interesting one. I mean, it's been a fabulous tournament, isn't it? I mean, you know, Wales was so, so oh. disappointing on Saturday, by the way. I mean, it's just, you know, oh, blimey. Andy, you watched that, didn't you? you wrote on I watched that, that I mean, game. I, I, I wrote about that game for the, for the Sunday minute. Um, and as well as Denmark played, and they did play well, you know, let, let's face it, they look they're a very organised team, very, quite slick, really, a lot slicker than, than I thought they'd be, but... There is no escaping the fact, you know, that um, in the cold light today watching that game, you know, Wales were really bad. I mean, re- that is what can happen in a tournament, you know. Shocking. Yeah. You, can, you, you can put up a performance there. <coughs> Excuse me. That can, be, that can be inexplicably good or inexplicably bad. And that one was, I mean, I mean, really bad. You know, they, they just, the occasion, I don't know where the occasion got to them. Clearly, the travelling wasn't ideal, but um, but it was hugely disappointing the way, the way they played, it. and there's just no no escaping that. I'm, I'm afraid, you know, and a lot of the you know aftermath was well, this can be the start of something, and you know it was it was another another credit creditable tournament for them, but still, you know, I mean, 48 hours later, I look back at that and think that was still a hugely hugely disappointing performance, you know, and yeah. that just shows what can happen if 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 you if you're basically just just not not right on the big day. No, no, it was fascinating. It was a good mm. game last night, wasn't there? Sort of the Port- Portugal game. I mean, wow, that was, um, you know, Belgium-Portugal. Yeah. I mean, I really hope De Bruyne's injury is not too serious, but, you know, the replay suggested it might be ligament damage. Let's let's hope not. And then he didn't Hazard, seem to be, yeah. he, he didn't know, seem to be too off. distraught, did he? I mean, he wasn't no. the time not to come off straight away. I think it's his yeah. birthday today, you know? Right, is it? Right, right okay. Yeah, I, I really, I really, you know, I really hope he's not. You want to see the best players playing, don't you? You know, so, but it was, yeah. fabulous. It was a, you know. We're going to need De Bruyne player. as well against Italy because <laughs> they're, they're turning into some some team out of Italy. Yeah, they are, but I do think goals is going to be an issue. What I'm saying is they don't concede any goals. Well, they've got no, too many no. of them. They need mm-hmm. De Bruyne, they need De Bruyne. Yeah, for that to game. unlock them. To yeah, them up, yeah. They're, they're I just think it, Italy's good. perhaps the lack of lack of a real top top striker is, you know, is, is a potential downfall, isn't it? Really, I do think you know, I do think. Well, they've they've, a, I mean, I don't know what the stats are, but they've scored a fair few. You, you know, without that, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the moment, the midfield is so strong. The midfield. I is so they were unbeaten. Sorry. Thirty-one games unbeaten now. It's wow. astonishing. Wow. Wow. And, and obviously that was the first goal conceded for goodness knows how long. But um, they didn't look. You know, in these one-off games. You know, they didn't look. If Austria had, had had somehow won that game, you wouldn't have thought. Oh, you know, that was against the the run of play or against the balance. Yeah. Of power in that game. You know, and that's what you'd see, and we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing it now, aren't we? You know, we, yeah. we saw it. We saw it um, yesterday tea time uh, in the Dutch game. You know, the, the, it, it can happen. It, it, I know the managers often say this to us, you know, but it's moments, it's big moments. The moments in the Dutch game was the handball, clearly, you know, and and the review and the sending off. Um, and and the you know, good chance prior to that, hadn't it, Dunny? And uh, an old-fashioned classic save from the goalkeeper. How many yeah. times did we... Did we I thought that gone. You know, the goalkeeper diving face first at the feet. That's long gone. Listen, if that's David De Gea, he's going at that with his legs, isn't he? You know, yeah. and that was just such an old-fashioned, brilliant save. You know, he's through, he's in. He's almost gone round him and he claws that ball back. And then, and then, and as you say, that's moments for you, isn't it? And and that's mm. what can happen in the games. You, you know, literally, you get one moment, you hang on. Nowadays as well, in modern football, it's probably always been the same, to be honest, but... 
you know, if in one of these games you can get ahead, um, I think, you know, it, it's nowadays in, in a modern game, defensive organisation is so good, so good that, you know, that, that you can often defend a lead with some degree of comfort. I mean, and, and I apply that to England, you know, and that's why I think they've got a great chance. It's because even in, in, in the game against Croatia and in the game against the Czech Republic, you know, how long are they holding on to a, a one-goal lead for? You know, a, a considerable mm. amount of time on, in both instances. And yet, did you ever really sat there at Wembley think they're going to they're gonna concede an equaliser? I didn't. No. I mean, I, I, I really had no... You, you, I didn't natural, in the second half, Andy. I didn't uh, in no, the second half. The, but, the, 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 the natural sceptic in you and the natural England fan and the natural England, oh, whatever, can go wrong, will go wrong in you, Makes you think, you know, yeah, you know, th- there's always a chance. But actually, you know, I just think a lot of these teams now, when they get ahead, you know, they can, they can, they can see it out, you know, because I think physically, defensively, teams are so good now at, yeah. at, at closing teams down, you know, yeah. and they're so fit. Plus, of course, the five man, um, the five sub rule, which I won't go into again, but that does have have an option as well because it, it does eliminate that element of. Of tiredness, I know that's what it's meant to do, I guess. But you know, you can, you know, you you've got a sixteen-man team. You know, you, you yeah. you've got you've got five players you can bring on to freshen up. You can get players to run themselves into the ground now. You know, mm. you don't as a player, you don't necessarily have to pace yourself now for ninety minutes. No. You know, you can get players to run themselves into the ground, and when they and when they look, you know, when when they look knackered, then on, on someone comes. Listen, let's face it: Jack Grealish plays on um, on Tuesday tomorrow. He's not playing 90 minutes, is he? Not a chance. No, he might manage 20, I guess. But there you go. I'm joking. But I mean, I, I do think you're right. You touch on such a good point there. In the basic, it feels like a, a few other nations have mastered it. And Germany yeah. rang the changes to go and beat Hungary. You know, they needed to. They were chasing the game. In yeah. England, I would say, you know, it's been pretty glaringly obvious that at the moment they haven't used substitutes to go and win a game. They've used substitutes to go and seal yeah. a game off. But I don't know that, you know, the substitutes is a sort of an interesting one because I think they might come into play if it goes really. 120 minutes. They haven't used that mm. many, either. No. I mean, off the top no. of my head, you know, and, and just, just an overview, I don't think they've used, you know, I think they'd be probably in the bottom half of a how many subs used table. Oh, God, yeah. That's just a guess. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. Right, yeah. guys, we're going to sign off soon, but I'm going to finish on a funny. And basically just, I don't know, pick your... Your favourite moments from England, Germany of the past, maybe a build-up to the game, maybe a bit of a funny, well, a pre-match prep. Did you see that footage of the Germans cycling to training at the weekend? You know, the, was it in 2001 that sort of didn't they keep the England team up, up, up to all yes. hours to try and sort of spike their guns? Yeah, let's go around the room. What's your favourite memories? I thought that, that that 2001 they did they did keep them up, but I mean it was so it was so um, as I say we've we've spoken probably about this all week various various um, people about the 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 sort of like the almost the uh, the cliches of England Germany, but they did they kept them up with 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 a band basically like a traditional Bavarian band or whatever, and the party in the beer cellar next door. England had stayed though in a hotel that was next to to a, to a beer cellar, so you know they had to take. Some responsibility, but then, I mean, they were a bit like that England. Then they did it, and, and, and I just remember in the build-up to that. Obviously, you know, I mean, everyone remembers that game. Who was there? Um, but I don't know. I've told the story before, but but on the on the build-up to the game, 
they had that, and and, and I remember, and I, I went into a into a tobacconist with um, with Steve Howard, and 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 he and he ordered two of the biggest cigars I've ever seen. I mean, I mean, like you know, they were the size of like baseball bats, basically. That's what what you're doing. He says we're going to light these up. He says tonight in the stadium when England get their fifth. So I said, yeah, right, okay, yeah, sure, like you know, bear in mind. And of course, when they got the fifth, Steve got it out and, and sparked up this big cigar. And then I, I remember it was the only time I've heard an England manager get a round of applause when when he walked into the um, press conference after that. And just everything about that game, you know, was just 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 sensational. And that was and that was they were the best memories, you know. That was, it. and then we went celebrating in a in a, in a place in Munich. Um, I think the, I think it was called Cafe Roman, actually. Strange enough. But I remember, I remember, and and I think missing not just one flight or two flights the next morning, but there was wow. 20, 20 years ago, mate. Almost twenty wow. years ago. Well, in September, twenty years ago. Did you have a pint of lager, Dunny? A Stein. Pint of beer. <laughs> yes. But you know, and, and funny enough, that game. You know what? I watched. Strange enough, I, not because it's England Germany, but I did watch some highlights of that game. Um, um, the other day, and you know, you know what? How good was Steven Gerrard in that fat, in that match? Absolutely yeah. sensational, absolutely sensational. Um, and of course, you know, um, after that, I don't think Germany lost another game, did they? Um, on on route to the World Cup, even yeah. Emileski looked good that night, didn't he? Even Emileski scored. Even Emileski yeah. scored. I, yes, the I don't know about other guys. Obviously, Dunny's slightly older than me, but. In my lifetime, there aren't many funny moments when you think about England, Germany. No, uh, no. It's just no. filled with a lot of pain. Although Keegan, mm. Keegan quitting Keegan the toilet, quitting. That's, that's quite amusing. Yes, yeah, that, that was before. That was that was obviously the year before. Pete yeah. Marman scored um, that goal that should have been In saved. And um, yes, and then... Um, Did he pick Southgate as a, like, a defensive midfielder for that yeah. game? Yeah. Didn't he, he did. lie about, did he lie about Gerard's, Gerard's injury? Was it Gerard injured? He lied about that. But I remember, but strangely enough, it's, talk about having that cigar where, when, when the fifth went in. I was with the same journalist at half-time, um, nine years later, in um, in Bloemfontein. Doom and Gloomfontein, as it, as it became, rather than Bloemfontein. It was, and, and I was with the same journalist at half-time, going outside for a, for, for a break, um, and obviously, just before half time, you'd had the Frank Lampard ghost goal. Mm. And I remember going out there and, and sat there and actually, you know, just bewildered by what had just happened. Literally, we, we, you could not actually know. I think it, was, mm. it wasn't long before half time, was it at all? I don't think. No, no. But really, close to half time, if I remember rightly, I might be wrong on that. But, and again, I watched that the other day. And, like, you know, it's just, it, 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 I think I put it out on Twitter, it's just like, it, it, you know, 11 years on. It is still totally and utterly bewildering how the referee—he must have been literally the only person in in Bloemfontein in in South Africa, you know, who, who, who couldn't see how far that ball was over the line. Yeah, sorry, thank heavens for VAR. Well, well goal line think, technology. I mean, wow, that was this is a great a great thing came of an England England Germany game. You got one for me, Matt. I'll go after what Jeremy says at international level there's not many but I have to say with an England-Germany encounter nothing beats when um, Bayern Munich in their pomp 2007 uh, Ribéry Oliver Kahn Van Bommel Schweinsteiger a young Cruz was in there um, Closer uh, Podolski um, were and, and in fact 
Uh, they'd taken Schweinsteiger off, and Ribery, Ribery started the game on the right side um, against Bolton Wanderers with Gary Megson in charge. Gavin McCann playing as a uh, auxiliary right back for about seven minutes against Frank Ribery before he was changed. Um, somehow, uh, Bolton took the lead. Uh, we thought this is amazing in the in the fairly new Allianz Arena at the time. Um, impressive stadium as that is. Uh, and, and then obviously by a minute, went 2-1 ahead and thought game over. And basically Kevin Davis scored with eight minutes to go in front of 66,000 Germans wow. uh, for, for relegation bound or threatened Bolton. To, to, and it was basically because it was the UEFA Cup, which no one ever takes seriously. Um, uh, it was basically Kevin Nolan, Kevin Davis and a bunch of reserves. Um, holding Bayern Munich to a two-all draw in their own ground, which was a, one of the most unexpected result of trips, because uh, we all went out there thinking this is going to be an absolute donkey. So that, that's probably my my fondest memory of an England-Germany encounter. But uh, uh, sadly, their uh, fortunes, their contrasting fortunes, have rather gone in the opposite directions in years. Yeah, to come. possibly, yeah. possibly. But, right. Yeah, but that was a great moment. Yeah, well, no, guys, thanks very much indeed. That's good. And we've got had some lovely comments, I have to say. We do always look to, to prove it. Glenn Ford, who, who's been most complimentary on, 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 the, on the message board there, and um, also Nathan Ridley. So thanks so much, Sean Govier as well. So really appreciate everyone tuning in. So we always enjoy it. And let's, uh, yeah, let's hope the majority of predictions come true tomorrow night and uh, and uh, and England go through because what an opportunity. Am I allowed to say that? Lies in wait. No, I don't think I am. But anyway, guys, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone's enjoyed uh, tuning in. We, we certainly enjoyed uh, taking part. Thank you.